Hey, good morning, church family. Good afternoon. I did it too. Such a habit, man. Thankful for all of you online with us today. Sorry, I know last week our live stream didn't work, so kind of back-to-back weeks we've had things going on. I'm usually the first one here. Sometimes on Sunday mornings, Brian Birdwell beats me, and this morning I walked up. I was the first one here and walked up, and when I got to the sidewalk, I could hear the alarm that was going off. I could see no emergency lights were on, uh, and, and I knew the power was out. And then we, one thing the last two and a half years have taught us, if we, we've gotten really good at having to pivot and make decisions on the fly and change things up, and so we're trying to think through options like could we go outside it was 50 degrees it was windy but we also had like a ton of MLGW uh, trucks all around and they were also using our parking lot so the beeping and the noises was so loud and it was dark in here and uh, and so I stayed here until about 10 30 for those who came for uh, Bible class they didn't get communication or worship service and they didn't get communication and there weren't a lot of people who did drive up but being here for a few hours this morning in the dark and in the cold just reminded me of what those first like few months of COVID was like. And there was a little sadness in me. So I'm grateful that we got to come back together tonight. Uh, you're messing me up. People are sitting in places where you usually don't sit. And that's okay. Just wherever you're sitting now, this is where you have to sit next week. All right. So those of you who've upgraded and moved a little closer next Sunday, I expect to see you a little closer. This time of year has me thinking about calendars a lot. Seems like Casey and I, it seems like the only communication we have these days is when you look at our calendars. Who needs to be where, when? Who's coming here? Where are we going? Where are the kids? Where do we get, take the kids? So we, this, this season reminds me of calendars. This year, 2022, Christmas is on a Sunday. I don't know if you knew that, it's on a Sunday. Leap year can throw this off sometimes. We had a Sunday, uh, a Christmas on a Sunday in 2011, 2016, and now 2022. There won't be another one until 2033. All right, so we got 11 more years. So especially those of you with kids, this may be one of your only chances to celebrate a Christmas on a Sunday. And this isn't a guilt trip of getting to church, but we will be here for you or with you having an experience together because it's rare that we get these. But I've been thinking a lot about calendars. Let me tell you a story about a calendar. It threw me off a few weeks ago because Casey and I, we, we share a calendar. I'm sure many of you share a calendar with your family or maybe you're at a workplace where you share a calendar. And a few months ago, I noticed, like I had this notification that popped up on my laptop. I have my Google calendar and that's the one I usually use. But I have another calendar on my computer and it popped up that I had a two-day reservation at a Holiday Inn in Cabot, Arkansas. And this totally threw me off because I don't even know where Cabot is. And I, I thought, am I crazy right now? Like, am I, do I have a speaking engagement in Cabot? Like, am I doing a wedding in Cabot? What's going on in Cabot? So I even called the hotel and asked, like, do you have Josh Ross staying there for two days? And, and they said no, so it totally threw me off. And then I had four notifications pop up of stays at Disney Resorts. And so at this point, I'm like, I'm not crazy. My wife's crazy. Like, she is like Elizabeth Patterson and Jenna King have gotten the best of my wife. Like she's drinking the Disney Kool-Aid and now she's, she's booked four trips to Disney. So now I don't know what's happening. A few days go by, I get a notification, buy an anniversary card. This is like August. So now I'm thinking, oh my goodness, like my anniversary's in May. Why, why is it popping up to buy an anniversary card? Then it popped up, you have a doctor's visit on Tuesday. And now I'm like, I, I, like, I don't think anything's wrong with my body. What is happening? So I dug just a little deeper and here's what happened. Our dear friend Monifa, who was a part of this church for a long time, passed away a few months ago. And at her funeral, Shelly Eaton came into my office to borrow my laptop to get on her Gmail so she could print something off for the memorial service. 
and somehow our calendar synced. Not Google Calendar. So all I would get was notifications and we couldn't figure out how to get rid of it. So now Eddie Eaton's totally messing with me. I would get a notification that would pop up 3 o'clock on a Monday, email the elders complaining about a sermon. A Tuesday at 1 o'clock, place membership at Bellevue. Like now it's like totally messing me up, right? Eddie didn't do it, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have put that past him of doing that, all right? We were finally able to get, like change it up a little bit. But this season has me thinking about calendars a lot. Because you got family calendars. Right, we have school calendars, and even if you don't work for schools or have kids who are in school, like almost everybody's impacted by school calendars. You have church calendars, and we work like six months in advance thinking about the next year of what a church calendar is going to look like. You have fiscal calendars. We have uh, holiday calendars. So even today, like you can go on, like today is a National Bavarian Cream Pie Day, so you have to make a decision tonight. Are you patriotic or not? Like there, there are calendars for everything. We have all kind of calendars. And when it comes to holidays, especially Christmas season and Easter season, sometimes it's easy for us to like totally buy into what I would call the secular calendar. And for hundreds of years, hundreds of years, and churches of Christ have not typically been part of movements that have honored the Christian calendar, but for hundreds of years, dating back to like just a few hundred years of Christianity, you have what is called the Christian calendar, where the Christian calendar follows seasons of the year like Advent and Lent, and with a focus on Easter and Epiphany and Pentecost. Like, there are these rhythms of the year that keep us plugged into, like the rhythms of life with God. We're sure we can honor and thank God for Jesus coming into the world anytime, not just December, but there's something about being reminded of light that breaks in the darkness, of God who comes near, that sometimes we need these seasons in our lives. Um, so, for the next few weeks... We're going to honor what many people around the world, many Christians around the world, are going to honor what is called Advent. Where for the next four Sundays, we're going to light a candle. And I know, I know some people, it's like if candle, like Catholics invent a candle. If you, have, if you have candles, the next thing we become Catholic, all right? Uh, and candles are helpful for some people. So here's what's going to happen over the next few weeks. Like we're going to have a moment in a worship service where we're going to light a candle and read a few things and focus on hope and peace and love and joy leading up to Christmas Sunday. And this kind of stuff may not work for you. Like this kind of stuff, it may not do it for you. And if so, there, there are things in a worship service, like there are moments that, like, like some things that just don't do it for some of us. Some songs that don't click for some of us, like it may click for others. And it may not be a moment that works for you, but I think we all can agree that we live in a time right now where more and more people are visual learners. And to experience something with the eye does something to their soul. So even if this isn't a moment that does it for you, if we're in a moment in which we know someone else in the room or someone else in this experience together that it does it for them, let's pray and thank God for it and ask for God to work like in hearts, like to really move in us in this time. So here in just a little while, we're going to light a candle as we go to the table. But before that, I want to talk about John chapter 1. For the next six weeks, or four weeks, including uh, community Christmas service and Chris Christmas Day, we're going to be in John chapter 1. So imagine with me this. Imagine that you fall down into a pit, and you're in a pit, and you can't get out. 
and you're down in that pit and you're emotionally exhausted and physically exhausted and you don't know if you'll ever get out and then someone comes, you hear their voice and you yell and they see you down in the pit and they toss a rope to you and the rope is there and all you have to do is take hold of the rope and they can lift you to safety but you're so emotionally exhausted and physically exhausted that you don't have the strength to take hold of the rope to be lifted to safety. And the person who sees you down in the pit are yelling, all you have to do is take hold of the rope but you don't have the strength to do it. And I think sometimes we think about salvation like this, like we are in a pit, we are lost, we're in need of God, there's no way out, and then God finds us and God tosses down the rope, and now we have to like, find inside of us the strength to take hold of the rope so God can lift us out. When what this season of the year teaches us is that when it comes to God lifting us out of the pit or lifting us out of the valley or finding us when we are lost, this is not about God tossing down the rope and you finding the strength to take hold of it so God can lift you out. This is God who tosses down a rope and God who comes down the rope to meet us. It's not you having the strength to grab the rope to be lifted out. It's thanking God that we serve a God who came down to meet us. So in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelled among us. In some of your versions, it's uh, the word tabernacled, or the Word made itself its home here. The Word moved into the neighborhood. It's the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. G.K. Uh, Chesterton says this. He says, It has never been quite enough to say that God is in heaven and all is right with the world, since the rumor is that God had left his heavens to set it right. To set the world right. So someone years ago, they wrote, a few years ago, they wrote that we, uh, a few years ago, we had Bob Hope, Johnny Cash, and Steve Jobs, and now we have no jobs, no cash, and no hope. But hopefully Christmas has something better to offer us. And you think about in this season, Jesus, as far as we know it, never wrote a song. Yet the last 2,000 years, there have been tens of thousands of songs that have been written about him. And as far as we know, Jesus never wrote a book. Yet there are four Gospels that have been read for over 2,000 years about his life and thousands and thousands of other books that have been written about him. Jesus is the one who chose to come to us. And in the next few weeks, will you make a choice to step closer to Jesus? I know at least the last few days, like they're all kind of indicators that the Christmas season is here. Right, we've already, some, of, some of us have already put trees up. Just a show of hands, how many already have your tree up in your house? Show of hands. How many of you plan to put the tree up, but it's not up yet? That's all right, that's all right, show of hands, a few of you. So there's these indicators that Christmas season is here. Some of you have already bought Christmas presents. Some of you, if you're like my family, we already celebrated Christmas a few, years, a few days ago with my family because we weren't going to see them for Christmas. Did you know that the average person purchases 51 items from Amazon a year? And some of you are like, I am the one who keeps that number high, right? 51 items a year. 1.7 million boxes are stolen off porches every single day in America. Think about that. I'm not trying to scare you. Just when that box arrives, if you see it on the ring camera, you may want to go ahead and grab it, bring it inside. There are a lot of indicators that Christmas season is here. Music has started to play in certain stores and some of your homes. Music in which it has some lyrics that we don't, like there's some words that we don't say any other time of the year except Christmas, like hark and Gloria. Like these aren't songs that we, or words we talk about all the time, yet they're lyrics we sing in this season that we, we typically don't sing any other time. Like 
Jesus was born to give us a second birth. Think about the significance of that. He was born to give us a second birth so that we could be born and that we can be born again. And they're indicators of Christmas, like music and trees and Christmas presents and boxes, but there are also lights that are starting to appear. And in John chapter 1, there's a focus on light. The light breaks into the world, light breaks into darkness. And as the light of God breaks into the world, it is a reminder that we cannot find our way to God by ourselves. You can work as hard as you can trying to shine your own light or find your way to God, but it's not until we surrender to God's light that breaks into our lives that we know which way to go. And it's interesting every year when we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate Christmas in what is the shortest time of daylight that we have in the entire year. We're talking about hours more of darkness in this season than it is midsummer. So every year we celebrate a new year and we move into a new year and some of us make new year resolutions and new year goals in a time of darkness and what could be considered a season of waiting. So listen to John chapter 1 verses 1 through 5. Here's what it says. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made and without Him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was a light of all humankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And what you get in the Gospel of John is you don't get Joseph or Mary, you don't have mangers, you don't have shepherds or wise men, you don't have baby Jesus in the Gospel of John. What you get with John in John chapter 1 is you get poetry and creativity, and you get art And maybe it's not the Christmas that we want, but maybe something in John chapter 1 is the Christmas that we need. A reminder that for John, the way he's going to tell the story of Jesus coming into the world is that there's light that breaks in the darkness. And I'm sure he was speaking then to a lot of people surrounded by darkness and needed the reminder there's light that breaks in the darkness. John uses language that scripture begins with. In Genesis chapter 1, the very first thing we read in the entire Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, is in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and now the earth was a formless void, and it was empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. So he didn't do away with darkness forever, but he separated light from darkness. And God called the light day, and darkness he called night, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. In Genesis chapter 1, God created with words, like God spoke and things happened. There was command and there was response. God created, and then in Genesis 1 and 2, God stepped into the world he created. And in John chapter 1, you have the same language. Like John begins, like, in the beginning... In the beginning, the same words that are used in Genesis 1.1. And John is trying to help us. He, like, he wants us to know, hey, do you remember when you opened Scripture? This is like John saying, do you remember when you opened Scripture? And Scripture begins with, in the beginning, God created. Guess what God has done through Jesus? He's creating brand new. Like he's creating new all over again. It's like John's trying to remind people, do you remember when you opened the Bible and you read way back in Genesis, God created and then God turned on the lights? 
That's what God has done in Jesus. God has created. God is creating again. And through Jesus, God is turning on the lights. The first act of God in creation was turning, speaking light in the darkness and separating light and darkness. Not doing away with darkness forever. That would have been great. It's almost like in Genesis chapter 1, it's almost foreshadowing if there's going to be this struggle between light and darkness forever. And John's reminding people, hey, God created back then and in and through Jesus, God is creating new now. Now, real quick, there's this word logos, which is word. Which when you read John 1, like if you're trying to explain this to a non-believer, like to somebody who doesn't know the Bible very well, like you can get hung up trying to explain this, right? Like in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Like it just, this isn't kind of language we use all the time. So, really quickly, let me see if I can try to help. All right, back in 2,000 years ago, in Jesus' world, you had the Greeks, and the Greeks had philosophers. So you have like Heraclitus, which I know a lot of you, you've been reading Heraclitus the last couple of days. I know you've been watching some documentaries, all right? A few hundred years before Jesus, Heraclitus was this great philosopher, and he talked a lot about logos, and so did the philosopher uh, Aristotle and Plato and the way they would talk about logos. So this is in a Greek world. They're talking about logos, which you read in your Bibles as the word. And they're talking about logos as a way to try to give meaning to how the world, where there is structure in the midst of chaos, how there is order in the midst of chaos. So for them, logos was a good thing. It was a good thing. It was about bringing order into chaos, but it was an impersonal force. That's in the Greek world. Now, the Jewish world also had philosophers like Philo. And for those of you who haven't been reading a lot of Heraclitus, I'm sure you've been reading a lot of Philo the last few days, right? Philosopher Philo, he also talked a lot about logos. He wrote about logos over 1,300 times. And for him, logos is what held all of the created world together. So you have the Greek world that talked a lot about logos, and the way they talked about logos was that it brought structure and order in the midst of chaos. And then you had Jewish philosophers who also talked about logos. And for them it was, this is what holds the world together. And it's almost like the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God told John, hey, write a book. Write a book about the life of Jesus. And as you do, if we want a book in which Greeks and Jews will lean in a little closer to hear what we have to say... Let's start with the word logos. A word that's going to draw in the Greeks and a word that's going to draw in the Jews. A word that would have been used in most places of instruction and teaching. Let's start this gospel with logos. And we're going to get the people leaning in. And then we're going to give meaning to it. To help Greeks and Jews to see that logos is not an impersonal force. It's a personal force. So here are three things real quick about logos, about the word. You ready? The first one is this. The word that you read about in John. The word, it's about communication. Like just word alone is about communication. So what you get in the opening verses of the gospel of John is that we serve a God who cares about communicating, a God who wants to communicate to humanity and wants humanity to communicate to God. God is big, not just on monologue, not just that you are hearing what God has to say or that your prayer life is just God hearing what you have to say, but where there is communication. The second thing is this, the word shines. 
So some of the imagery that's painted in John 1 is that the Word is shining light and bringing light into darkness in the world. The Word shines. The Word doesn't just instruct. And the Word doesn't just educate and doesn't just inform. The Word shines in the darkness all around us. And thirdly, is that the Word is dependable. It's dependable. The Word is going to do what the word came into the world to do, and you can trust that Jesus is going to do it. The word's dependable. So the word is about communication. The word shines in the midst of darkness, and the word is dependable. All right, so <clears throat> I saw Mallory uh, Gatlin. She posted this, and this was a long time. Uh, this was months ago, and I've just I kind of set it aside in a folder that I keep all these stories and illustrations in, and then go back and find them. and And this was something she had posted on Facebook. And I don't know if it was uh, who, the guy who created. I don't know if this came from a place of faith or not. But the illustration is about light and darkness. And what do we do in those moments in life when we just feel like our flame is gone, or our flame is out, or our flame is like just being challenged by the forces of darkness? darkness in the world. It's about a minute video, and I want you to see this as you think about light breaking into our darkness now. And after that, I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer around the Advent table and around the communion table. So check out this video. Did that touch anybody? Did you get it? Just show of hands. We're going to light a candle right now. And today, the focus is on hope. So my family's up here today just to read through a few things and to pray. And then I want to guide us to the table, the table with the bread and the cup after this. So hear the word of the Lord, and then we're going to speak a few words of blessing over you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, it says... He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. Uphold us, O God, embrace us in your arms, that we, that we might be saved. Uplift us, O God, with the promise of your word, that we might be saved. Heaven and earth may pass away, but your word of truth remains. Amen. Amen. And Casey, if you will, um, pray over the bread and the cup for us here in just a moment. And uh, we've had... There's some people who are here tonight and some who aren't. Both shepherds who are going to be position A and B are not with us tonight. 
So if I could get one of our shepherds who will come up here to my right to receive people for prayer and a shepherd who will go to the back to receive people right now, I, I would appreciate it. We want to use this as a moment that if you want to need to express what you saw on the screen, like uh, darkness, it's just getting the best of me right now. We, we, want, we want to provide places for you to go and to receive prayer today. And we also come to the table, the bread and the cup, which reminds us of the hope that Jesus has brought into the world and the light that comes into our darkness. So may we keep that in mind today as we thank God for coming into the world and everything Jesus has done for us as we go to the table and as we enter into a time of prayer together as a church. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for sending your perfect son to walk these dusty roads and take our place. God, I can only imagine how dark that day must have been for him and how dark that day must have been for you as his father. So Lord, we thank you for his incredible sacrifice alone and giving up his very spirit to the very end. God, we thank you for that sacrifice that we can have a relationship with you. Thank you for freeing us, for breaking our chains. Thank you for a beautiful, bright future. And Lord, no matter what darkness we're living in right now, whether it be vast or small, God, we thank you that your light breaks through and that it gives us hope, the hope of our salvation. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and we thank you for this bread and this cup that resembles your blood and your body. Amen.